morning, good evening, good night, wherever or whoever you may be. I am Alan Arante, and this is The Recluse Podcast. Today's guest is Rob Harold. He is a photographer based in Portland, Oregon. His subjects include animals, the environment, architecture, people, nightscapes, and other things. He can be found on Instagram at remaining.light, and you can get a quote for a photography session at remaininglight.photography. In this conversation, Rob and I talk about his time in China and the different customs he experienced. We talk about the insecurity that can come with being a photographer and being a creator. We talk about the emotional work that sometimes goes into shooting a portrait for a timid person. Rob Harold has recently delved into photojournalism. He has gone downtown in Portland to capture the protests. And we talk about what he's seen. He has seen the wall of moms, the graffiti on government buildings, and the federal agents. In particular, we talk about a specific photo he took. It seems to be an inadvertent portrait of a federal agent looking directly into the camera. The person seems to be visibly anxious and perhaps scared. Rob, I thank you for your time and the use of your skills during this time of social conflict. I believe it is important work. So without further delay, this is a portrait of Rob Harold. China, were there any experiences you had where like, you know, you're, I don't know, I'm just going to make something up where you hold the door for somebody and that's not their custom there. You know, did you have any experiences like that where the cultures sort of clashed? The first thing that comes to mind is kind of, kind of weird, but funny is, uh, is, you know, I don't know. I was raised here in America that when you're, when you, you know, you finish, you clean your plate when you have, <laughs> you're eating a meal. <laughs> over there culturally that means that you want more food so <laughs> i i stuffed myself so many times because i would be staying at airbnbs <laughs> and the host would be cooking us meals and i kept you know eating all of it and they kept bringing me more food and i, I didn't want to be rude and i just kept eating it and it's like ended up making myself sick out of oh, not wow. wanting to be rude for that <laughs> oh so, so you mean yeah, that was that so you mean that you were finishing the whole plate rather than like, you know, leaving a little bit because you were full, you would finish the whole plate out right. of um, yeah. politeness. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thinking, thinking that that would show that I enjoyed the meal, but that just over there, it means you're, you're, you're ready for some more. <laughs> it was a little different. Yeah. So did you learn that just um, implicitly, you know, somebody didn't tell you like, Hey man, you should like, you know, leave a little bit. You kind of had to find that out on your own. Yeah, well, my buddy kind of showed me a little bit of the ropes, like he had lived over there for a while. Um, but, you know, it, it, the other stuff like tipping is seen as kind of disrespectful over there, too. There's Did you ever tip while you were out there? Out. So, so a lot of like uh, like cab drivers and stuff, they, they know that I'm American and they know they can get a little, you know, some extra oh, wow. bucks out of me. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but mostly people see it as like a, a disrespectful thing of you like demonstrating that you're wealth wealthier than them. Kind of that's how it's seen over there. Um, you know, so you've been international. Um, it sounds like you've traveled across the states. Um, what do you think? I, I mean, this is an, an obvious, probably an obvious answer. But what what's the benefit to you um, to, to traveling? You know, what's the difference between you? who has been to a few places compared to somebody who stays in their state and doesn't go anywhere. 
Um, just definitely getting out of your bubble. It's, uh, I mean, even just Portland, it's an, it's a little liberal bubble here and you kind of forget about that. Most of the state is pretty conservative and red, but, uh, you know, even the U S is a pretty big country and it's culturally, you know, from end to end is very diverse and it's good to experience how other people are living life gives you perspective on things and kind of lets you empathize with how other people think rather than, you know, uh, I don't know, just judging them without knowing how, you know, their, mm. their backgrounds. Yeah. You, you said you went to uh, Mexico as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've been many well, times. What were the, uh, what are the circumstances of, of those trips? Uh, most recent one was a wedding again. It was, uh, we went new year's last year. Um, went down to Puerto Vallarta. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. How was that? Uh, it was great. We, we had, you know, as a bunch of friends went down and rented a yacht and, uh, yeah, had the, the wedding ceremony like at midnight with the fireworks going off and everything. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. Wow. That's insane. That's like a, you know, like a Disney movie plot or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, that's great. So uh, do you think you'll, uh, obviously you can't tell the future. Do you think you'll die in Portland? Is, is that how connected you feel to, to that city? Um, I really love it here. Um, like I have, you know, a good job. I like where I live. Uh, I'm, I've always had a trend in my life of, uh, wanting to shake things up. <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, with a hundred percent certainty say I'll stay here, but you know, I, right now I'm pretty content. Yeah. <laughs> Did you go to college? So, yeah, I went to college for something completely different than what I'm doing now. I actually <laughs> went four years or automotive engineering. Oh, wow. So that was back in Michigan and kind of realized I didn't want to do anything with that. So, um, yeah, change majors and did two years of exercise science, which is kind of like a physical therapy degree. And when you say automotive engineering, do you mean like becoming a mechanic or like something more specialized than that? So I, I got my associate's degree in, yeah, for it was kind of a mechanic degree, but I was going on to get engineering. I was going to go into kind of testing and, and design. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And have you always had an interest in like mechanics and, you know, engines? Like, are you, are you sort of a car guy? I'm very much so a car guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and is that, so it, I imagine if you went to college for that, if that was your first thought to do, to pursue that kind of career, um, you know, since you were a kid, were you interested in cars? Was it a way of bonding with your dad? You know, what, what, where, what's the source of the interest in cars for you? I, it's always been just a, an innate interest. I, like my mom told me very young, like even when I was first speaking words that I would, you know, point out the window, I'm like, Hey, look, a Corvette. And she's like, how do you know what that is? But it's always been an interest. And, uh, but I think the only reason I went to school for it is because, you know, you get out of high school and everybody's pressuring you like, what do you want to do the rest of your life when you're only, you know, 18? It's just, <laughs> you're like, I don't know. I like cars. So I guess I'll go to school for that. But mm. Yeah, it's hard to put much thought into it when you're that young. 
And uh, what what is it about cars? I mean, do you like, uh, I imagine there are people who like just like the shapes, you know, like the aerodynamics and how the light bounces off the shell of the car. Some people are more like, you know, gearheads where they, they take an interest to the engine. What, what aspects of, you know, or, or is it the lifestyle, you know, what aspects of, uh, the car do you even appreciate or enjoy the most? I I have a big appreciation for the engineering of a car. Like I, I've told people you you can find appreciation even with a Honda Civic <laughs> that, you know, how many man hours went into designing every little piece of that and they can somehow make it last for how many decades, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> but, uh, so uh, you so you didn't study photography at all. Did, I mean, did you take a course or how is it that you're now doing this? Did, was it a um, sort of a grassroots self-made education in terms of photography? Definitely. Uh, my only formal education, I guess, would be I took freshman year in high school. We had a dark room and I took oh, a wow. film. Cl- it was a yeah film developing class. That was way back, I don't know, 2002. <laughs> um, but every everything I've learned since then has pretty much just been YouTube, just watching YouTube tutorials and all that kind of self-taught. So would you say that your interest in photography started freshman year? Yeah, yeah, I guess it did. It, it kind of plateaued right after that. I didn't really have a camera for many years. Um, yeah, I didn't, I never really had an intention to do it professionally up until maybe three years ago. Wow. No kidding. Is that, and is that what you're doing for work now? Or is it just, you know, this awesome hobby that you have? Um, I would say it's a, it's a mixture of a a hobby and a side hustle. Uh, Mm. I have, I do, you know, kind of odd jobs on the side. I, I, you know, I do weddings every now and then interior shots, architecture, kind of whoever's, whoever calls me and asks for a job, I kind of just do it on the side. Mm. Um, It's mostly fun. I, I was looking at your um, your remaining light, uh, the website, and just your uh, the photos you have on your Instagram, and it was I was wondering. I mean, you have photos of uh, animals and architecture. Um, you have night shots and and uh, portraits. I wonder, does this the things you choose to take photos of? Does does that does photography presuppose other interests, you know, because you're obviously making these choices of what to shoot. Does that presuppose uh, an interest in those things? Um, not really. I think the, the reason I have like s- such a variety is I like the challenge of learning how to take pictures of all those different subjects because every mm. genre of photography has, you know, requires a a bit of knowledge and know how to how to do it and i like the challenge of trying to learn how to you know take pictures of different subjects like the the protests recently this was my first dive into kind of photojournalism oh wow okay yeah and you know you said that so you've recently or you said in the past three years you've really like taken this um interest like you've gone like, you know, zero, zero to 60 with this interest in the past, like three years or so. Uh, you know, 
I, I imagine that that's not that long to be a photographer. If I could imagine a photographer, you know, being a photographer for 20 years, you know, uh, do you ever feel insecure about your photography? Like I, I, you know, I'm, I do podcasts and I skateboard and, and I do music and I, as a creator, I just feel insecure sometimes because I always know that there are people that are just a thousand times better. And um, do you ever have those insecure feelings with your photography? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I think that's, that's, you know, everybody has that. And I also kind of think it's necessary to, for the drive to make yourself better. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard being on Instagram and seeing these, <laughs> you know, the, the, these people with millions of followers and they're world travelers and, 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 uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, definitely a thing. And do you think that's a problem? Like, you know, in the sense that, uh, for anything nowadays, I mean, we all have social media, we all have access to uh, technology and cameras and, uh, you know, musical equipment and, and, is it a is it a bad thing that let's just say for lack of better words that the market is just so oversaturated with content yes and no um it it does make things more difficult as a photographer like you you see uh you know you i mean it's a thing with like national parks you you see millions of pictures of the same angle you know it goes <laughs> to the same lookout and and it, but again that, that and it kind of drives you to find try to see things in a different light everybody takes the same picture i want to like you know climb down the side of the cliff and try to get the different angle that nobody else has mm. and that could apply to you know all different types of you know create art content creation so what motivates you to take photos of things that people have already shot before, perhaps to perfection? What motivates you to take those photos? I think it um, actually, coincidentally, I was out last night and there was a full moon rise behind Mount Hood. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, if there's like, you know, millions of pictures of Mount Hood, it takes doing that research or like if the weather conditions are a certain way, it, it's having the right opportunity to get a picture that looks different than, than, you know, just a picture of the mountain with a clear blue sky. It's, it's having something a little bit unique. Yeah. And it makes me wonder too, uh, like the, the reason for taking the photo in the first place. So, you know, I'm sort of getting that an angle that this, that the photography is supposed to, um, do something for you, you know, like make you money or, you know, but but I wonder if maybe you maybe you can um, tell me if this is how you feel, if taking the photo is just worth it for doing it, you know, just to have the photo. Who cares if it's been done a thousand times? It's worth doing just to do. Is that your feeling with when you take some of these photos that it's just worth it in it and of itself? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh I mean, there's just the act of being out in nature too, which is, is, is good for you. But I ha I print my own stuff too. I've hanging on my wall and there's, you know, a couple pictures that kind of mean have sentimental value to just me. Cause I know mm. I remember that day and like things that I experienced. So, um, I have a giant print of Mount hood, like snowy picture in my living room that I, <laughs> I did a long hike you know, on Thanksgiving wow. and it, it just was, a, it was a very 
kind of like a success picture to me that I, I completed the hike while it was all snowy and everything. So yeah, it's definitely a, a, a fulfilling thing. Wow. That's interesting. That's really interesting. You say that because, uh, you know, nobody could ever know what it took. Well, I guess another photographer who's done a similar hike could know, but just, just to the average person, they may not know what, it took to get that photo. So yeah, it's like a great, beautiful photo and it's perfect in focus and whatever, whatever, what have you, you know, it's always going to mean so much more to you as the photographer, because you have all the memories of what it took to get that photo. And in that sense, it's really interesting because there's so much meaning and value in the photo itself. Um, so it's, it's just interesting to me that layer of, um, of significance aside from just the photo itself. And I, and I wonder if people lose uh, sight, sight of that. So, you know, it's easy for me to say, Oh, well, you know, a thousand people have taken that photo, but yeah, maybe, but that doesn't, that shouldn't uh, devalue <laughs> what it took to get the photo and your experience. So it's, it's kind of cool that you can look at a photo that you've taken and be taken back to that moment uh, of your life. Yeah. It's a day in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if it was a, a, you know, a picture that looks like everybody else's picture, it's, it's a picture that you took and, and it's a, it's a memory of, you know, what it took to get that picture. And I think taking pictures yourself always means more than, you know, buying other mm. people's pictures, I guess, or like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just a, I guess that's how I look at it, but mm. Uh, so in terms of other events or events in general that you've done, have you ever shot a wedding before? Uh, yeah, I've done a handful of weddings. Yeah. And uh, so the first wedding you've ever done, uh, can, did you make any mistakes? I imagine doing something for the first time will lend itself to, to making mistakes. Did you make any mistakes the first wedding that you shot? Um, so the first wedding I shot was actually – the one I talked about in Mexico when we were on the oh, yacht, okay. it was, oh, yeah, wow. I was shooting for friends. Um, I did mess up a little bit, but luckily I was, I was teamed up with another photographer friend who is quite experienced in it. So I was mm. kind of her sidekick. So she kind of helped me out and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm... you're going to mess up doing things <laughs> the first time guaranteed. <laughs> And I would think that a wedding, for example, is there are so many pieces to a wedding, you know, like the the make, the, you know, the the bride getting makeup put on her and, you know, the the bridesmaids getting their hair done. And there are just all these steps, you know, that go into a wedding from, you know, the, the, the moment the people wake up to the moment they go to sleep and all those events in between. I mean, as a as a photographer at a wedding did you have to sort of research these parts of a wedding or were you kind of just noticing on the fly what was important? Um, yeah, you can, you kind of have an eye of like special moments, you know, uh, like getting ready for the whole wedding, the whole day, it's kind of just, you know, being a fly on the wall and, and, and kind of trying to be invisible. So people have those organic moments and you just kind of try to capture them in that way. <laughs> You know, you, you said you've shot a handful of weddings. Um, I At my wedding, I was um, concerned, not concerned, but how could I say this? I wanted to make sure the photographers like ate. Like I didn't know if anybody was taking care of them. You know, were they being offered? Um, did you, have you, 
What's your experience? Do you assume that you're going to eat at the wedding as a photographer? Do you wait to be offered? You know, how does it, how does that uh, negotiation work? Like at the day of, you know, I, I assume you ate at the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been fed every, every wedding I go to, but I, I never assume that'll be the case. <laughs> I usually bring snacks. I usually bring snacks and everything, but uh, yeah, every wedding I've been to, they, they'll be like, all right, you can put the camera down for you in half an hour. Here's some food. And, and so it's been, it's been a good experience like that. Uh, so you shot weddings. Um, you, I've seen that you've shot a lot of portraits too. Um, why do people care about portraits so much in your opinion? You know, I, for instance, if I have a portrait done of me, I, you know, my brain fires off and I just have this pleasure of looking at the photo. And I think other people do too. It's like, I don't know what it does for them. You know, what, why do you think portraits are significant just in general? Um, I mean, it, uh, and so the photographer, as a photographer, you kind of learn how to pose people and get the right facial expression out of them. And it's, you know, the camera produces a really good looking image and it's, it's people seeing themselves in a way that they don't normally see themselves. It's, it's not the same as a selfie or, you know, just mm. a candid shot. It's, it's, it's kind of seeing you in a, in perfect form, you know, it's, <laughs> The, the, the skin smoothed out. It's like, it's a very good edited image. So yeah, I think that's why people like that. I mean, I get hired a lot for people wanting dating profile pictures. People will hire me for that. So. Oh, wow. No kidding. That is interesting. Yeah. Wow. And I like, I like that phrase you said, it's sort of you. Yeah. You know, that's such a good point where you said it's you in your perfect form. And that's interesting because I do look at a couple photos, photos of myself and, like, you know, nice photos that my friend took with a, a nice camera. And it's like, wow, you know, you, it, that, that maybe is the best that, that I've looked, you know, and, and that is sort of that, um, it, it's different than that, that, uh, typical experience of just looking in the mirror every day. You know, some days we're happier with ourselves mm -hmm. than others, but we can always look back on some portrait that captured the perfect moment. And, and like you said, how the, you know, just the editing and how things are smoothed out, um, yeah, I think that is really interesting. I, and now that you say it, it's funny that people will hire a photographer for a dating profile image and for obvious yeah. reasons, I guess, so they can look as good as they possibly can for, you know, potential mm -hmm. suitors. Um, so you took your own uh, portrait, I think, right. You know, for your Instagram profile photo. Yes. Yeah, I did. And I assume that's just like, you know, on a timer and like autofocus. Yeah, yeah. Well, it had to do manual because you can't, it's hard. It took a, it was very trial and error, you know, focusing on the right point because you can't autofocus when you're behind the camera on somebody. So it was, <laughs> it was actually oh. quite the process to get that picture. <laughs> well, because if you stand, you know, just an inch forward or an inch back, does the focus sort of, it loses focus, right? If it's manual? Yeah. There, yeah. There's probably, there was probably only a couple inches of, to call the focus plan of what's in focus. So you kind of have, like I had a point where I was standing, I had a piece of tape on the floor, just like always stand on that. So I knew I was at the right you know, spot and mm. all the lighting. And it was, it was a process. I was bored one day <laughs> and just did it. <laughs> so when you take a portrait of somebody, do you take, you know, 50 photos and you just pick the best one? 
So uh, the way I usually do it is uh, I'll work with people for about an hour and, and, you know, get 200 to 300 pictures. And I guess statistically 10% of pictures usually turn out of what you take. So like 30 (laughs) of those will be good. Um, But I usually just send them all to the client and they, Mm. they send back the ones they like, and then I'll edit those. Um, I've, I've, in the past, I used to pick myself, but then people would want the other ones too. So, yeah. and I, I, I just have to wonder. Um, I recently, for example, I was uh, interviewing somebody. Uh, this this girl who wrote her first book, and she was on the younger side. She was a younger person, and uh, she sent me a few photos because I like to post uh, a portrait of the person with like the announcement of the interview. Um, mm-hmm. And she sent me a few photos and. Um, in a couple of them, she looked really uh, anxious or insecure, I would say. Do you have that experience of looking at the photos from the day? So if you do a portrait for somebody and, you know, you have 100 photos to look at, are you sort of – I know, I, obviously, you're not going to sit there and, you know, analyze each photo. But do you ever notice, like, the expression on some of the, you know, quote-unquote outtakes where it's like, oh, you know, they, they feel – uncomfortable here do you are you ever noticing the expressions in the photos you're taking other than the perfect photo um yeah that's that's something you need to focus i mean when you're doing portrait photography it knowing how to work the camera is not even the main focus it's about uh you know posing people and actually making them feel comfortable because a lot of Mm. people are not comfortable in front of a camera it's about, you know, you got to be telling jokes, making them laugh, like, <laughs> kind of break those walls down. Because most people that hire me when they're for portraits, they're the first picture is always them just sitting there kind of timid. And you got <laughs> you got you to like kind of make them forget that the camera's there, you know, kind of be talking to them. And so and it's all when you look in the eyes, too, you can always the eyes, they say, you know, window to the soul and all that. It's you can you can kind of tell what people are thinking based on their facial expressions. Wow. So do you expect like the first 10 photos to, to go in the garbage almost, you know, you kind of know that you're warming them up a little bit. You're trying to feel them out. And, uh, you know, like you said, tell a joke or two, get them to feel comfortable. Um, do you, do you, I obviously you don't assume this, but do you almost assume that the first 10, 15 photos aren't, aren't going to be the one? Um, I don't know. I don't really think like that. Um, I usually, when it is somebody who's uncomfortable versus like an actual model, I'll put the camera mm. on silent so they don't know that I'm taking pictures <laughs> sometimes. Cause, uh, when you hear like the clicking sound or just like, Oh, you just took a picture. Like how, how did I look? So yeah, the silent mode kind of allows you to get more of those moments <laughs> where they, cause I don't know if people try to be ready for a picture, it, it means they look awkward and you know, but um, yeah there's a lot of tricks you use to to get the right photo yeah it it reminds me of this um it's probably a very famous um uh instance but i I must have seen an article or or something of this photographer it was a, a series i think that this photographer did where they would take a photo of the person and then they would tell the person they're beautiful and then take a photo. So basically it was a series of two mm. photos per person. So the first f- photo, you know, presumably is the person being guarded and, you know, 
uh, I, I don't know the circumstances, but so they take a photo and then they tell the person they're beautiful and then they take another photo immediately after. So that basically it's a contrast of discomfort, um, a contrast of discomfort to feeling beautiful. And, and it was really just a beautiful um, series. It, it, it just it kind of hits the point that we're talking about. And and so it, it's kind of funny as a photographer, you're sort of um, make you know, you, you have this. I wouldn't call it an obligation really, but you know, you're in a way you're, it's a part of your job. It's an unwritten part of the job to sort of make the person feel comfortable and um, feel good about themselves to get the photo. And so, so I appreciate that you, the process that you just talked about. Um, So, so we can just, we can move on now. I'm, I'm curious because you're, you live in Portland and is, you know, I know that, uh, there, there have been protests for the past, I think, more than 50 days by now. But they they call Portland and Oregon like the whitest state. And I know that it has some uh, racist history. Are there any remnants to you that, that show a racist past of Oregon or Portland? Do you notice that in the city at all? Um, I mean, you definitely notice how white it is here. Uh, it's a... Uh... That's, that's, that's right up front. It's, you know, it's, as much as I hate to say this, like, I'm not, I don't have a racist bone in my body, but sometimes when you do see someone of color, it kind of stands out to you more because it's more rare to see that. So many people are white here. It's a very weird thing. Like, uh, you know, I grew up in Michigan near Detroit, you know, which is a lot more diverse. So that's what I was used to, but it's, it's, it's definitely, yeah. And, and it's, it's, I mean, for sure, a, a, a result of the racist history of this state. I've, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if we need wow. to go into what happened with all that, but yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what's what's the mood like in Portland right now? I mean, my, my God, fi- over 50 days of protests every night, some of them peaceful, some of them not. Obviously, we've seen the photos and it's on the news. What's the mood like in general? Is it basically business as usual or, or are you noticing a different uh, mood in the city? The mood that I'm noticing different is a lot on social media. I mean, I mean, the mainstream media is really throwing this in a, in a I don't know. How do I put this is, things aren't as bad here as the mainstream media is, is, is writing mm. about because the, all okay. the protests are happening within four blocks downtown. And if you don't want to be a part of it, you don't, you don't even notice it because it's, it's, oh, it's wow. very contained down there. It's, you know, <laughs> not as, as Trump has put it, that Portland's going to burn to the ground if he doesn't send troops here. It's, that's not the way it is. And, uh, I mean, and a lot of people I know are, are choosing to not engage with it. And mm. it's very easy to, you know, the only, the only indication that anything's going on are news helicopters flying around, it, you know, a lot more than usual, but. Um, wow. So you could ignore it yeah. basically if you wanted to. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I live, it's probably a 10 minute drive from downtown where the protests are happening. And yeah, all I hear is like the occasional helicopter <laughs> at night and yeah, you don't really hear anything else. 
Yeah. So you recently, um, and basically why I reached out to you, I've, I've been wanting to talk to somebody who has just been around just to see, because yeah, like you said, there's this difference in how the media is portraying what's going on compared to what's really going on. Um, so I've been trying to find somebody who has seen at least a little bit of it. Um, what what have you seen? I, I presume you've been down there at least once just because you took some photos that I've seen. Um, what was your experience like? What have you seen down there? Yeah, so um, that's actually the reason I went down is because I kept reading news articles. And I, then I would see in the comments people saying like, no, this isn't right. You shouldn't have written it this way. So I went down there to kind of just see for myself what was actually happening. And the first night I went down, it was, you know, early in the night. And, you know, I went down maybe 8 p.m. and I left around 11. And that wow. whole first experience was nothing but, you know, powerful speeches on human rights. Like, kumbaya, everybody's singing, chanting, you know, there's drum circles. And I'm like, what the hell? Where's all the violence? <laughs> so, you know, so I went home and then I woke up the next day with, you know, an article on my phone saying, you know, the feds were tear gassing people and there was all this violence. And I'm like, what? What the hell happened? So it was actually that's the second time I went down at 11 the next day. Oh, OK. So it pops off I, later on. It oh, usually around 10, 11 o'clock has been the turning point of when it gets starts getting out of hand. And yeah, I went down the next night to see that firsthand. And that's wow. It was it was a war zone, to, to say the least. But uh, it's since calmed down since the feds have stand down because they were really escalating things. But um did you yeah, have any uh, like protective gear at all? I mean, did you have like, how do you prepare you know, because you actively went out there a little later knowing the risk. I mean, did you, what preparation did you do? So I, I'll fully admit I was an idiot that first night I went out. <laughs> I had nothing but, but my, you know, cloth mask on. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I have pictures there, you know, they were firing tear gas off, rubber bullets, everything. And I was literally holding my camera up to my wow. face as literal eye protection <laughs> like it, i was like if i pull my camera down i'm completely exposed so it was uh i, I you know in hindsight i was pretty stupid but i i'd since bought eye protection and earplugs and everything going out there um so you went so you uh for lack of better words you you saw some action yeah yeah I was and i mean definitely right and to get these photos i mean how close are you are you kind you know, as a doc, you know, you're documenting it. Are you trying to stand to the side? Are you trying to get up close? You know, what, what was your thinking? I, I, I you're probably doing it on the fly, but how, how did it work out? Did, how close were you getting? Were you behind the crowds? Yeah. Tell me about your physical, um, geography in, in relations to, you know, the, the heavy action. So, I was pretty much like right in the middle of it. Um, so some of the pictures I got of the police, like walking through the tear gas, I was probably only, you know, 15, 20 yards away from them. I had kind of a lens that zoomed in, but yeah, mm. I was trying to get up close and it was kind of a, you know, kind of a little game. I'm like, I don't know how close I should get. I don't know if they're just going to like come out and start, 
beating me, you know, as they were <laughs> doing to other journalists. So it was, it was, it was definitely a little game there. I didn't know how close to get, but yeah. So you didn't feel particularly safe just because you had a camera. Cause a lot, I think that's an assumption people make sometimes like, Oh, well, Hey, I'm, I'm not involved in the protest. I'm just documenting it. And people, I think, uh, have, have, they, they think that's a shield. Did you get that sense at all that you were a little safer just because you had a camera or did you feel like you were just as vulnerable as the, the person on the front line protesting? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had a, you know, I had a little thing that said press, but I didn't feel like that gave me a, a, a shield at all. Cause I had read that, you know, they were being violent towards, you know, it didn't matter who you were, the, the feds and the police were showing violence towards people. Even like last week, there's a guy that's been down there with a trumpet who's just walking around playing the trumpet and he got hit with a rubber bullet. It's like, you know, you don't even have to, you don't have to be a, like a violent protester or a rioter to get this kind of treatment. So, And did you see, I, I want to say you had a photo of the uh, wall of moms. Did you get to see that firsthand? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've yeah captured them a couple times now. And what's like the, the mood like at, at that, because that just adds this layer to it where, you know, it's like, my God, now, now mothers are getting involved and putting themselves on the line. Um, is what, you know, I guess what, what did it feel like to be there and to witness that? It was, it was powerful. It's, uh, it was definitely an uh, an eye-opening moment, not just for me, but I think for a lot of people, showing that moms had the the courage to get out there because their their kids were getting they were in, you know in danger. Mm. So uh, it definitely, I think it was definitely a, a play in in getting the feds to stand down here. Wow. Sure. You took a photo of um, a cop or some agent. They had a helmet on, and it's interesting because. Uh, I, it looks like a woman, but the subject is looking directly at the camera. Do you know what photo I'm, I'm referring to that you took? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and so to me, just as an observer, I'm looking at this photo and the, the you know, and so it actually, it's interesting because it goes back to our discussion on portraits. It, it's a portrait in a way. And and it's very interesting to sort of analyze the expression on that on the subject's face. They appear to be hyper vigilant. They're they're they look anxious. They look almost a little scared. They don't know what's about to happen. Uh, tell tell me about that photo. Did you know, you know, the value in that photo the moment you took it, or was it you know when you went back home and looked at the photos that you're like, wow, this this is powerful. Uh, just tell me about that photo in general. First off, I love that you brought this up because that's the, my favorite picture I've taken of this mm. thus far. Mm. Um, and I, exactly what you said, you you see their eyes, you see that they do look a little scared, unsure. And, and I didn't even know that, that I had gotten that picture until I got home and blew that up on the computer. And it <laughs> kind of like gave me chills that, yeah, they're <laughs> looking right at, wow. looking right at me and, and pointing the, you know, I think it was a paintball gun or something with the pepper bullets in it or something. They're pointing it right at me. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's kind of a, 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 a weird thing because, you know, all the, the, negative feelings towards police now, but 
that picture mm. you can really it kind of humanizes that oh, individual yeah. you, you see and i don't think that's something i could post online and talk about right now you know it would fall under the whole blue lives matter thing right and, right you know, you know but uh but i don't know it de definitely it definitely makes me feel that they're just doing their job and and they're not so sure about what they're doing either and it's uh yeah it's a very powerful image for sure yeah i i, I totally agree with that um and yeah that it's unfortunate that we would have to you know sort of um tread on ice with with what we're saying but i i i absolutely agree that you know there that a photo like that um it totally humanizes them because they are all just people what 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 really sucks about this situation is that it sucks that it is cops versus the community for lack of better terms because we're all just people we're all victim to to society you know it's where they they chose their path and we chose ours and but we're all people we all have families to go home to we're all trying to make a living and that's the way they're doing it and does that excuse the behavior of some of these people no it doesn't but the, the but the the point is that they're people just like us and it sucks that we're we're sort of in this uh this cage you know we're we're like rats in a cage just fighting it out when it's like well we should really be you know targeting uh, the larger uh system as opposed to the pawns in the game it's like pawn versus pawn and we don't realize that when you know we should really be thinking on on a higher level so that photo, I thought, as soon as I saw that, I was like, wow, I, you know, I almost got chills. Like the, the person's just looking directly into the lens. Like she, it looks like a woman to me, but she looks like she knew you were taking the photo. You know, how, how close were you to that person? Um, I mean, I, yeah, it was probably 20 feet, maybe 25 feet. It was, yeah, it wasn't too far back. Yeah. And there, there was some photo that you, I think it was a black and white photo and it, it's a photo of some building and there's a lot of spray painted uh, stuff on it. And there was some sign, which mm -hmm. I can't remember what it says now, but I think I want to say the caption read something like this, uh, that people are more important than property. And that was your caption that you wrote for that photo. I think, uh, what does that mean yeah. to you? Did, what, what, yeah. What does that mean to you? So that was just my two cents putting in because uh, a lot of people had the argument of why the, you know, the feds and the police were using the brutality they were is because we, you know, I don't say we, but there was protesters that were attacking the federal courthouse and people were using that as justification. Like, Oh, they deserve what they get. Mm -hmm. And in my eye, the punishment doesn't really equate to the crime. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're defacing federal property, but does that, does that, you know, warrant bloodshed to like, literally people have mm -hmm. been bleeding on the streets because you're defend they're defending this courthouse. And that was just my little jab back at that. I'm like, <sighs> it's, I don't think any piece of property is worth, you know, making people bleed. <laughs> And in terms of all of the, uh, you know, you, you obviously made the decision to go down there and to photograph this stuff, you know, and I, and I say this, um, 
how can I say this isn't supposed to be like a sharp question or anything because I ask this to myself, but why do you care? What, you know, why, why do you care about what's going on and why would you even go down there at all? Um, I mean, I definitely, I support this whole black lives matter movement and everything about it. It's a, it's, it's almost infuriating the stories you hear of, of the mistreatment people of color have received from the police. And I want to capture it in a way that kind of adds more steam to this movement. I mm. want to, to not, you know, cause like I said, when we go back to the mainstream media, it's, it's hard to get a full grasp of what's happening here, not just here, but across the whole country that's, there's protests going on. And I, I felt like I have the resources to capture it in a powerful emotional way that makes people realize like, Oh, everyone's we're all, we're all just people trying to mm. find our way. And, and we all have rights. So why, why document it in the first place? What's the value of taking these photos that you're taking? Um, it's, it's like I said, it's, I, I want to, cause a lot of people, you know, are scared to go down there that, you know, the, it's, you know, you, either you don't have eye protection or like you you don't want to be in harm's way. And I want to give a firsthand experience to people that aren't going down there to show the, the raw power and emotion of that, you know, it's a powerful mm. experience to go in there. And I want to convey that to people the best I can. Rob Harold, I have uh, one more question for you. I appreciate your time and your, um, your insight on this. Um, I, I, I do happen to uh, believe that it's very important to document these things. Uh, I, I talked to somebody before who said um, uh, we were just talking about the civil rights movement of the sixties and you know, what would, how would we reflect on the, that time period without photos and without the interviews and without the documentation? So it is important work that you're doing. And, um, and I hope that, uh, and I'm trying to play my part too by reaching out to people like you, just so there's stuff on the record that we can reflect on, and that people who can't go down there can can see what's going on uh, by virtue of being in their the seat of their own home. So it is important what you're doing, and um, I appreciate your insight. You can answer this last question any way you like. Rob Harold, who the hell are you? <laughs> oh, that's a deep one, right? Um... <laughs> I'm well, yeah, I got to think about that. Um, as a person, uh, I am someone who likes to capture, you know, I, I mean, as a photographer, I guess I'm someone that just likes capturing life moments in a way. And as a person, I like to share my experiences with people. And, and that's why I guess I love photography so much is, a uh, I don't know. I'm here. I'm here in life to experience things and maybe show people who aren't experiencing as much. And it's it's a, it's a sharing thing. And yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess that's my answer to it. But. Mm -hmm.